some stories, the Jataka tales, to talk about. And then this morning, when Jim and Terry came in, they had some really wonderful news. And the three of us have been planning the, the bone marrow registry drive, which is going to be not next Saturday, but the following Saturday on the 16th. And what we're, what we're doing, it's just like a blood drive, but they don't take your blood. They just swab the uh, inside of your cheek to get a, to do a DNA test. And what, what they're looking for are people to be on a bone marrow registry. So if there should, if there should be a matchup uh, with someone who needs a stem cell replacement, it's a stem cell replacement, right? Or adding a stem cell. Um, they, they can contact that person when the, when there is a, a person who needs that because of diseases like leukemia and sickle cell anemia and there's a long list of diseases. And if you, if you're on that registry and it looks like you might be a good match, then you're contacted and then there's a long, a, a relatively long process. You know, you may decide you don't want to do it or uh, there may, the matchup has to be checked out, but then you would have the opportunity to be the donor if in fact that's what you want to do. And uh, it's no longer a process of digging into the bone, right? They're going to talk to us about it. So uh, most people react when I tell them about this, like, ooh, it's a really painful process to be a donor. It's, uh, it's a painful process when Jim's had to have his uh, have this tested because they do go into his bone. But uh, if you're a donor, it can be done with uh, some blood that's taken, and then they can get a stem cell from that. So they're, it's not the same process. But what they found out when they want, became interested in all of this is that to be a donor, you, could, you have to be between the ages of 18 and 44. So this tends to be a little bit of an older audience. <laughs> I mean, a lot of us are over 44. So um, what that means is if we're, if we're too old to be a donor, we can certainly put the drives together and educate people and talk about it. And uh, we, can, we can donate to help because this is pretty amazing research that's being done and the process is changing so much. And if you're 18 to 44, we hope you would uh, just come for that on the 16th and tell people about it. And if you, and we've got lots of flyers. If you have places, you could put the flyer up. Um, but Jim and Terry are here today, and they had, I, they had no preparation for this because uh, we, thought, we thought we had more time and they were going to talk about this. But, but today, they've, they did, I wanted them to talk today and they agreed to because of what's uh, going on in the process they're, they're in. So these are the two people who are doing the Dhamma talk today. Do you, do you need a, want a microphone? Normally they don't, but... They walked in the door. One of the things that happens with the, <clears throat> one of the things that happens with chemotherapy is that your emotions come right up onto the surface and they're really raw. So, <clears throat> if uh, uh, during the course of the of our um, exchange today, 
there are tears, please understand that there will be tears of gratitude and tears of joy. If you want to sit here, that's fine. No, I need some exercise today. Oh. Okay. Uh, so uh, I thought what, what we do is just talk for a few minutes about miracles and meditation and the courage to save a life. Um, miracles happen every day throughout the world to people like you and I. And most of them are um, ignored because we don't expect them, because we're not looking for them, and because we don't ask for them. <clears throat> During the last uh, uh, five months, I've learned to uh, uh, to look for miracles, to accept miracles, to ask for miracles, and to demand miracles. And so. Um, <clears throat> <coughs> Excuse me. So a week ago last Thursday, uh, Terry proposed, and I accepted. And that was a miracle. I told him he his own name. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, in June, um, I went to uh, Sherman, or I went to uh, uh, Woodstock. Uh, Centegra Hospital with a nosebleed that wouldn't stop, and I found out that I had uh, leukemia. The, uh, the doctor actually did a, a bone marrow biopsy because um, during during the day they actually admitted me after, to the hospital after emergency, and, and they hung three units of blood. And I really didn't know what that really meant at the time. Later on, I found out you only have what nine or ten in your body, and I needed three. How's this work? Never had a transfusion before in my life, never been sick. It's all good. Life is wonderful. Um, I was getting tired a lot lately, but I, you know, 71 years, or 70 years old at the time, I thought, well, yeah, you know, stuff happens. <laughs> you get tired, that'd be all right. Um, but then um, the doctor said, well, we'll have to have a conference about this, and I'll have to study the of, uh, the results of this biopsy, so please come into the hospital on Tuesday. And uh, so, uh, to his office on Tuesday, so Terry and I came uh, on Tuesday, and um, in, in the room there were, um, there were only three people, uh, Dr. Sahir and, and Terry and I. And uh, I became aware of a conversation that was going on uh, in which, uh, uh, someone was being told that they had leukemia. And uh, after a minute or so, I realized that that, that was me. <laughs> Whoa. Um, where'd that come from? Well, turns out there was an underlying cause for that, and we'll get to that shortly. But um, <clears throat> they put me in Sherman Hospital, and for uh, seven consecutive days, 24 hours a day, I was uh, given... Um, chemotherapy. And uh, so when I went in, my hair was back to the middle of my back. <laughs> Not now, obviously. <laughs> it's one of the things that does happen with chemotherapy, but I took it very well. And at the end of the seven-day period, I had no more bone marrow at all. And uh, so my resistance to disease would be like zero uh, or close to it. 
And, uh, and, and so the next three weeks in the hospital, I just slept uh, pretty much 20 hours a day. Terry was there. And uh, um, I rebuilt my bone marrow, and then they did a biopsy before I was released from the hospital, and, uh, and I was cancer-free. So that was wonderful. And uh, then we went to a cycle of uh, chemotherapy where I would go in for 45 minutes uh, for seven uh, days, not consecutive, because they only do this Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but for seven days, they still would do it. <laughs> and uh, um, so, and then I'd have 21 days off and then go back in for seven days. We were just completing, we were in the third cycle and uh, my white cell count uh, crashed to uh, 0.7, 4.1 is the low end of really an acceptable scale. And uh, with chemotherapy, your white count is reduced. And so 1.2 to 2.2 in that range would be pretty much what they check my blood every couple of days. And that's pretty well the pattern was. All of a sudden it was 0.7, so that scared everybody, uh, scared the doctor. Uh, scared me, scared Terry. And so they did a, a third bone marrow uh, biopsy. And that turned out to be cancer-free, but it identified an underlying condition that apparently I'd had for a long, long time called aplastic anemia. And myeloid fibrosis and aplastic anemia. And, and so there's some other words, a couple more words in there too, and I haven't learned them all yet. Anyway, um, don't forget this happened to somebody else, not me, so. <laughs> anyway, uh, this underlying condition was discovered, and, um, and, it, and, it, and it turns out that uh, it can be treated and it can be cured, and the treatment is, uh, um, has a better prognosis than, the, uh, uh, than, than a bone marrow um, transplant would be. So, um, almost out of miracles and almost into meditation. So, we, uh, we went to Northwestern Memorial Hospital and met with the transplant team there, and uh, they, they would not do a transplant for somebody who was, who was 70 years old. Uh, after they met me and they realized the physical condition that I was in, they said, oh, well, okay, you're not really 70. So. <laughs> you can do this, so. Uh, and then sometime uh, during the intervening few weeks, uh, it, it kind of changed their tune. But it was kind of neat because right after returning from Northwestern, um, we, we had, uh, it's like, a, what, a week or 10 days, we found out that there were 70 potential donors that were identified from the Be The Match list that's worldwide. Um, we were overwhelmed. I, I couldn't make words for two days. It was just, uh, it was just amazing uh, to me. But um, of those, and then uh, there's a process that takes place. So uh, word goes out to those 70 people, and then they, have to come back to the Be The Match people. And of course, this is happening at, in, during August and September when everybody's doing their last vacations and getting ready for school and stuff. So it was uh, a couple months down the line that we found out that, uh, uh, that, that of the 70, there were eight people. And then of those eight people, 
None of them were a match. The best match was nine points out of 10, and the surgeons would not attempt that without a 10-point match, because, hey, if, if uh, there's rejection of this process, um, you're, you have no more bone marrow at that point, you have no resistance to anything, and, and, you, and you won't even have the ability to rebuild, and you're gonna die, pretty much. So, um, I didn't like that, and the surgeon didn't like it, and so no one would proceed without a, a 10 point match. So we went, to, and they, at Northwestern became kind of disenchanted with the whole thing, so our physician referred us to um, Mayo Clinic, where we were uh, last week. And the, the doctor said to come for 7 a.m. on Thursday and plan on being there for two days. So we came at 7 a.m. and found out that now the appointment was changed to 11.30. So we went with the physician at 11.30 and put me through a few tests and said, okay, we're going to take blood and then you go home. And I, that, that was different from what we knew before, but understand that before they were looking at a piece of paper and not at a human being. And so they saw somebody now age 71 and they couldn't figure out how somebody at that age could possibly undergo this procedure. So after he met me, um, he understood that I could do it and that it would be okay. So that was wonderful. Then on the way home from Mayo Clinic, Thursday late afternoon, we get a call from Northwestern Memorial's transplant team. That there's a match, a 10-point match. <laughs> Unbelievable. Another miracle. So, um, a little bit about uh, meditation. Um, they say that a bone marrow biopsy is painful. And they say that it's very painful. And I say it is painful. And it's a strange pain because most of us have never had our bones punched. Have never had a hole punched in our bones. And that is what happens. You actually have to punch a hole. And there's no anesthesia for bones. And I don't really think there's any nerves inside of bones either. So when I thought about the pain, well, the first time I had it, it was awful. Um, because I was all tensed up and, and I just, uh, and they did the bone marrow biopsy and I experienced pain, or what I perceived at the time, it was pain. Bone marrow biopsy number two, a month or so later, um, I was able to meditate into, oops, I was able to meditate into the procedure, meditate through the procedure, and yeah, it was painful, but, um, I, and I groaned, and I sure did. Um, but, but it wasn't, it wasn't real awful. Procedure number three, a couple of weeks ago, um, I was able to go deeper into meditation. Terry was next to me doing, uh, Reiki, Terry, by the way, is a Reiki master. She was doing Reiki next to me and generating enough energy so that her hands were actually burning. Not on fire, but really, really, really hot. And typically her hands are not hot, so that was, <laughs> um, it was remarkable, and 
I did groan once uh, during the procedure, and this time the doctor actually asked me once, uh, are, uh, are you having pain? And I popped out of my meditation, uh, and I said, sure. And then I went back to my meditation again, and he, and he finished with everything. So, uh, so that's, a, that's, that's the miracle part, and then, and then um, and there, that's the meditation part. Although through this entire process, my meditation, believe me, has gotten deeper and deeper and deeper, and my process of spiritual awakening has, has become, I spend more hours in, in an awakened state than I've ever been in before in my life. There's something about having your life on the line that does that. So now let's talk about the courage to save a life and what it takes. Well, you'll be given the opportunity to go on the bone marrow uh, registry and uh, they'll take a simple swab uh, and it'll be the initial match is a DNA match. If you get the call for the DNA match, you get time to respond to that call. You might be uh, not feeling well, you might be um, on vacation. Uh, there could be life going on, duh, we all have lives, we all have things that we have to do. So uh, it, could, it, it could be a week or so before you respond. And then you uh, have the opportunity to, to uh, say whether you want to do this or not. And some, at some point during that particular process, you'll find out if they're asking for bone marrow or if they're asking for stem cells. Not every hospital does stem cell uh, uh, replacement. Um, it would be uh, stem cell, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Transplant, yeah, stem cell. Not every hospital does. But, so you could be asked for, uh, for actual bone marrow and you'd have the option of saying yes or no. Um, in my case, um, the hospital that I'm going to does stem cell. And the success rate for, I saw a chart, and along the chart they've got lines that go along for success of the, of the bone marrow uh, transplant itself, and then lines that go above that for um, stem cell uh, transplant, and then up above that are lines for uh, cord blood, for um, umbilical cord blood, and uh, that's only done for kids. So. But, but it's also the most successful uh, that, that there is. Um, so in two weeks we're going to have this drive and I encourage you all please to uh, find time to do it. Encourage the younger people in your family to find time to do it. Um, because somebody out there needs the miracle that I just got. And it could be you. Who knows? I don't want it to be. But think about it for a minute. If it happened to me, in perfect health, I guess it could happen to anybody. And thank you very much. I just want to add a couple of, of um, thoughts to Jim's presentation. Um, you know, I'm, it's been, I've been, I don't even remember being 44 years old anymore. <laughs> it's so long ago. But in my frustration, I found that by approaching um, Bikuni here at the temple, that there was something I could do in my sense of feeling helpless and hopeless. 
during this journey. But I learned something, and we talk about it every week. What if today, what if today was the last time every one of us had a chance to look at each other? How would we want that last moment to be? And that's a learning that I've experienced through this, is that I know that this could any day could be my last day with this man. But it could also be my last day with all of you in this room and everybody I encounter in my life. So it's, it's changed my focus on how I live my life and how I look at forgiveness and self-forgiveness and loving and allowing myself to be loved, which, you know, to repeat, we're the, that's the hardest lesson we have is to learn how to love ourselves and to feel worthy of love. And, and that's been a real gift of this experience. Um, how many of you here have been touched by cancer in your lives? So this is pretty heavy for a lot of people, and I certainly appreciate you being here today. So there are things that we all can do, um, if nothing else, just, just a hug and a, and a smile. Um, and maybe going a little bit deeper into um, being able to find out that you might be able to save someone's life. And, um, I thank all of you for today. Closer with Terry and Jim through this and every time I meet with them every time we've met I always come away with uh, with more for me than than anything you know I, I come away feeling Terry helped me with all kinds of we talked about Medicare one day because I'm turning 65 soon and, uh, so instead you know I always feel like I'm the recipient and just the recipient of their the way they're approaching this situation in their lives has made a difference in my life. And that is looking at everybody that I see as this, if this is the last time I see this person, how do I want that transaction to be? Do I want it to be uh, with anything negative or do I want it just to be filled with love? And, and we do. Like Terry said, this is a group who understands that. So we know we're living with impermanence all the time. So we always can make the choice for that reaction, that response to anyone to be from love instead of any other place. So thank you so much. And please, you know, they, he may, you may have your transplant it, it, they, they will just call them and say, okay, everything's ready, and they'll go to Minnesota. So uh, we, will, we have the drive, whether you're here or not, but it's all done in your honor for the work, for the work and for the lessons you're teaching us. Um, that means all of you can tell their story somewhere, and you can it, please encourage people. And there are flyers if you have a place where you can put it up. Or if you go to school anywhere where there are, you know, 18 to 44-year-olds, um, any place that you can put the flyer up. But you know, the, the best thing to do is to tell their story to someone so it becomes very real.